Hey folks, Sam Jones here. Welcome to another edition of Off Camera, the show where I get to talk to iconic, creative, curious artists and find out how they got that way. And in this episode, I sit down with actress Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Mary's first true love was the ballet, but her body had other plans and she grew a bit too tall for the grand jeté. Luckily, her favorite parts about ballet, performing, telling a story, and playing different characters are all essential tenets of acting, and Mary found herself in love anew. Her early acting experiences reinforced her love of the craft, but as she got older, she struggled to find her artistic place in an industry where women are often saddled with objectification and unwanted sexual attention. But it was when Mary faced the prospect of quitting that she found her voice and became willing to say no. She also started choosing roles that weren't based on her beauty or desirability. As she says, I'd always prefer to take a great role in a weird horror film over playing somebody's girlfriend in another actor's big vanity piece. Her dedication is evident in her work. She turned in incredible performances in films like Smashed, Alex of Venice, and in Noah Hawley's hit television series Fargo. That trend continues in her newest film, All About Nina, in which she plays a stand-up comedian who is struggling to grapple with her own emotional turmoil. Mary joins off-camera to talk about the challenges she's faced as a woman in Hollywood, why making a performance human and believable is so essential to storytelling, and why she'll never set foot in a casting office bathroom. So pull up a chair and listen in. Hi, Mary. Hi, Sam. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for having me. Well, I loved Fargo. I loved Smash. Um, I loved Alex of Venice. Wow, thank you. And this new film, all about Nina, which is surprising, unexpected, and astonishingly good. And I want to talk all about that. But in doing my little research that I do, I discovered a whole other career. You did? Yes. And you're a singer. And uh, you have this band, Got a Girl. Got a Girl, yeah. And... And I was kind of blown away by the fact that it's sort of like a bit of 60s French pop, a little right. bit of Jane Birkin, yeah. and, which is right in my wheelhouse. Oh, cool. I loved it. And, and I wonder if all this acting is getting in the way of a singing <laughs> the way of my true, yeah. <laughs> my true passion. I mean, I really love it. It's, I love to sing. I love music. Um, I had a really great time making this album with Dan the Automator, who yeah. produced it with me, and we kind of just made a band out of out of just the two of us. It yeah. took us like four years to get together enough times to create an album, and then we did a little tour, and we just had a good time. But it was never something that I I considered like a career avenue or a, you know financial avenue or, or anything like that. It was just mainly just something to do because you love it, you know. For it not being your main thing, does it allow you to sort of? I don't know, be less critical or less precious about it because it's not? Or, or do you apply the same amount of, I don't know, uh, seriousness or, or scrutiny to it as you do your main career? Um, I guess yes and no, because I, I guess in some ways it's all sort of the same. Like everything I do, I do because I really enjoy it, you know. Um, but I guess my confidence is stronger in acting because I've just been doing it my whole life. So... When I step onto a set, I know what I'm doing, and I, I, even if I'm scared of the role or it's a challenge, you know, there's a certain confidence that I have going into that. Whereas this, I was just like clueless. So there was nerves involved in that for there sure, was. especially because I was a fan of Dan, you know, before working with him, and and he's very blunt. You know, we do, I'd send him lyrics or we'd do a take, and he would just be like, okay, that was shit. You know, let's try it. Really? <laughs> so I'm like, okay. You're like, I need to teach you how to talk to actors. Right? No, I know, I know. Or I knew if, if it was good, he'd be like, okay, that was not shit. 
great, you know. Um, so that was kind of like the the bar I was trying to go for. Right. Did you find that it was a quick learning curve once you got in the studio and sort of... Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, well, we found it together because even the way my voice is and stuff on the album, it's not really my natural singing voice. It's not? Not really. I had to kind of find this, like, ethereal 60s Jane Birkin feeling, which is... I love to listen to that, but that's not how I've sung in the past. Like, I actually have a much lower kind of... It's just a different tone, my natural um, sound. So... I had to, I kind of found that with Dan, you know, because I would do a couple takes and you'd be like, eh, it's too singery. Like, you sound like you're singing it, you know? Um, so we kind of had to find this, like, easy, breezy feeling to it, which was a bit counter to me because I'm like, oh, I want to prove I can sing, you know? <laughs> like, at first, you feel right. like that's what you're supposed to do. Um, but I liked not doing that, you know? I wanted to make cool music. So that was kind of what we were trying to do as opposed to put my voice out in the forefront. It's funny, when you, just, when you were describing that, it sounded almost like you had to sort of find a character. Yes, that's exactly what it was. And then you're yeah. in the wheelhouse. And then, then it all clicked once I found the character, and then I could write. Then the songs started coming so much more easily. It wasn't yeah. my own perspective. It was this character that I had created. So it took the pressure off a little bit in terms of trying to like mine my own personal history and my own emotions to come up with all this music. And I guess in similar to acting, sometimes it's easier to put your truth into something when you when you take the pressure off of it being you, you know, if that makes sense. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Now, did you go out and perform? We did a little bit, and um, it was great. I had so much fun. I really um, enjoyed performing, I think, more than I anticipated to. I really, really loved it. What was the first night like? It was so exciting. It went really well. And, like, Dan was so nervous. He was so ner- you know, nervous for me because I had never done it before. And but were you nervous? I kind of got to this very zen point by the time we went out to perform. I think also because he was nervous. I think when other people are nervous, I tend to get really calm. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Because it's like you can't, everybody can't be nervous. <laughs> Somebody, yeah, the whole thing falls no, apart. No, I mean, this is going to be a shit show if we're all <laughs> freaking out. So he just kept being like, you got to make sure to do this and you make sure that. And I was just like... Um, we just had fun, and and I practiced and sang. I said, cause the main thing I found was just knowing the songs so well, or they're so in your body that you don't have to think about it, um, which again is similar to acting. acting. Yeah. So it just was a lot that I found was like, oh, this is the same, you know, just have to apply it in different ways. Right. It makes me wonder, maybe this is a good transition to uh, this film all about Nina, because in it you play a stand-up comedian, and... You know, I think that there's, first off, we should say it's a really powerful film, and it's, to me, not a comedy so much as it is funny. It's a really dark exploration into who this woman is and what happened in her past and how she's sort of carrying that around. But I wondered, and especially given that conversation about going and performing music, if the idea of performing stand-up was also something you fell into easily or if that was scarier... I'd say scarier. I think there's something, there's very little to me that's more terrifying than, than the expectation of, of having to make somebody laugh. You know, like, like I, I like to think that I'm, I'm funny in my own way, but not when you say, be funny. Be funny, exactly. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, just wither. So that to me is really scary and was really nerve-wracking and... Um, I mean, I, I, I've, I can't remember another time when I was that nervous than, than starting, getting ready to, to do the stand-up and going on stage that first time, even though it was scripted right. <laughs> for a, a room full of 
paid extras, I was still absolutely terrified. So how did you sort of deal with that? Um, you know, I just prepared a lot. I had a lot of phone calls with Eva, our writer-director, just basically being like, help me <laughs> figure this out. Now, is she a comedian? She's not a comedian. She's a writer. And the story is based on her. It's based on her experiences. But she kind of took herself and and made this character who is a stand-up comedian. And her truth is something that is based on Eva's experiences, which is something that she wanted to talk about in this in this way. It must have been an experience to get that script and read it for the first time. I mean, do you get to see scripts like that that often? Definitely not. Definitely not with that range, which is what I'm always... That's when I know I want to do something, is if the character gets to show this really wide range of emotion that is really, um, just really reflects human life, you know, the, yeah. way that, the way that we all are, which just never happens, you know, you, you so rarely get to do that, to, to read a character, especially a female character, where you get to go to that many places. I know, it's like, that's obviously a reactionary statement to your experience of getting a bunch of scripts. I know, and that's when people ask me, like, how do you choose your roles, and I feel like they're always expecting some big answer or like there's some process that I go through and it's like no it's just so easy to read something and go this is this is good yeah it just doesn't <laughs> I want to do this right? because it's so often where it's just it's just not there there's nothing on the page to really play with or to really connect to or that so really speaks to you do you just sort of have to reduce your expectations or say I'm going to try to figure out how to how to make it something more than it is on the page? Or? I've definitely have, I've done that before. Um, and usually when I do that, I go, okay, I'm not going to do this again. It's really? just It just takes from you. Where you're, I've talked a lot with other actress friends of mine about this, where you just think, okay, I should work. I should be working. I'm just going to, even if I don't love this thing, I'm going to make the best of it and just do what I can because I, I don't want to, like, drop off the face of the earth. You know, I want to make sure I'm still relevant and out there and whatever and then you go and you do it and you just feel kind of gross like it's just not your heart's not in it you don't love it you don't love the character you're giving of yourself so much and not really getting anything in return so I try not to do that it's easy to get sucked into that because of your own self-doubt and your insecurities that yeah. the work is going to go away well I think conversely when when you get something like this that has so much depth is it intimidating in the other way, where, where you want to live up to the material? And Yeah, I mean, particularly, uh, I, I don't think I've ever done anything with a writer and director who's based it on their personal experiences. Right. So to have a character who's so complex and so layered and so truthful and, and to have that be based on the person that I'm working with every single day, it's somewhat intimidating because you just want to make sure that it it's authentic to their experience. So it was just something that I knew in the back of my head, which was just like, if there's any moment that doesn't ring true, she's going to know it. She's going to feel it. So in some ways it was intimidating, but also reassuring to know that she would be there to guide it if it ever went astray. What particularly on this film scared you? Um, I mean, all of it. I think I was really... I think I was scared of all of it, but I put all of that fear into the stand-up. You know, like I was just so nervous about making that work and making it funny and so terrified that if it, it wouldn't be funny and not just for the extras I would be performing for, but like for the world who was going to eventually right. see the movie. And I had to sell the idea that this was a girl who was good at her job 
having never done this job before, and the movie could potentially, in my mind, kind of fail or succeed based on whether or not people actually buy the fact that, that she's a real stand-up comedian and that she's good at it. So that, to me, was really, really scary and intimidating, but I think I was scared of all of it, just, just all the emotion, all of the depth, um, the fact that it was Eva's story, but I, I channeled all of that into my fear of the, <laughs> of the stand-up. And I would think part of that is, yes, knowing delivery and all that stuff, but the other part of it is um, whether or not those the subject matter fits with the person. Mm-hmm. And I would think you would have to find some relatability to be yeah. able to do that because I think this is the kind of film where the reason I was so struck by it is because I totally believed not only that you were a comedian, but that these terrible things happened to you. And I wondered like what you naturally found relatable about the story. I mean, I think it's a story ultimately about kind of female anger, you know, and, and someone who's dealing with the trauma of acts that were perpetrated against them, you know, a long time ago and, and carry that every single day. And I think that that's something that women everywhere are, are relating to right now and tapping into in themselves. And we made this movie a bit before all these conversations started really blowing up in the culture and right. the large way that it is right now. Um, but I was still feeling that, absolutely, that anger and, and that frustration. And, and I could see that in Nina, and I could totally see myself in her and women that I know in her, and that anger on her behalf, you know, I really felt. So that was pretty easy to tap into. Right. Well, I'm sure you went through some experiences that, that degraded you, I would assume. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing about um, growing up when I grew up... Um, you know, which is funny because it's not like it was in the 50s or whatever, but but still. You look very good, thank by you the so way, much. for someone who is 68 <laughs> no, years old. I know, thank you, I get that a lot. Um, but I still, I had no real awareness of the fact that those types of things were wrong, you know? Like, if I was, if I went to an audition and somebody tried to hit on me, I wouldn't like it. I, I would tr- avoid it and try to get out of the situation but I didn't really understand the depth of how wrong that would be. Right. You know, I would be like, oh, that was a creepy guy. You know, like, I'll try to avoid that next time. But right, and that idea of, of how that gets filed away or how it eats away at your yeah. love for what you do. I mean, it's, it's deeply affecting. I mean, I went through um, my, at some point in my mid-20s when I seriously considered quitting acting. I mean, there really? was a part of me that really was like, what's the point of this? Like, I just got so fed up with being, like, hired for jobs based on being pretty or based on whatever was projected on me, like some male fantasy that was projected on me, and then I would show up, and that's what I was expected to be. I was expected to be whatever they wanted me to be for their own Egos, you know, and not just on screen, but not just on screen, in, but in yeah, on, on set. yeah, exactly. And I and I wasn't, uh, you know, I didn't go through a lot of what I would consider full-on sexual harassment, um, but the, that abuse of power where it was clear, like you're supposed to sit and smile and be pretty and and make all, all us feel good by doing so. Right. That was that felt very clear to me that that was my purpose and that's what was wanted from me. And I was like, I have so much more than that to offer. Like, I'm so frustrated by that. 
Um, so then I just kind of I shifted gears and I just started playing characters who were not attractive. Like I really I went I, I on made purpose, a, on sort purpose. Of. Yeah, I was like I'm gonna be sloppy and unattractive and you know mousy or whatever I have to be to sort of not have that be my purpose. You know. Why I wonder the cumulative number of experiences that get you to that point where right. you're about to quit. When I was in my twenties. Those things were happening all the time, but I didn't necessarily see it as the problem of the men. You know, I saw it as my problem. What do you mean? Like it never would have occurred to me to complain about it, like to anybody. I didn't complain about it. I didn't talk about it with my friends. I didn't complain about it to the people I worked for. I didn't say like, "Hey, like, here I am. Like, you can't, you know, you can't dismiss me." I just kind of took it on myself and just was like, "Okay, these are the steps I'm going to take." Was it kind of like happy. I've chosen to be an actress, and this is. Yeah. Part of the deal. Yeah, and that's when I I realized, okay, well maybe if I play these types of roles, that won't be part of the deal. And so that was the way that I addressed it. But I didn't ever think I had a right to like talk about it, you know, in in a way that was like this isn't right, you know, like this isn't, um, you know, I'm being treated as though I don't have anything to offer. I just was like took it upon myself to force people to treat me the way that I wanted to be treated. Have you already noticed a change on set? Like, do you feel a different atmosphere at work, or is it that you're now choosing projects where? Is it both? Yeah, I think it's both. It's an interesting question. You know, since these movements have come about, and and I think it's a mix. Um, getting older, you know, I'm not looked at in the same way I was looked at when I was 21. You know, um, I've got. A career behind me that's garnered me some respect, so I'm treated a bit more respectfully. And also now, I do see this sort of shift in the air amongst men on sets and stuff, where they're sort of, you know, you're not going to be told like a sexual joke, or you know, they're not going to be making the references that they used to make in front、right. of women. And again, they were demeaning and dismissive, but. When I was younger, I just was like, "Oh, it's just the way it is," you know.、Yeah. So it feels really great to have had that kind of awakening that it's not okay, which I had years ago, and then now seeing that being actually put into action. I would feel like you look at that time and you go, "Well, what what would have been possible、mm -hmm. if, if I was treated with respect、yeah. then?" Well, I mean, that's what I'm I'm excited about and hopeful about. The the women who are coming up now, like I, I look at young actresses who are like so vocal and confident, and I'm just like, oh my god, that's it's so amazing. It's amazing to see. And and I was very, I like to think smart, confident young woman, and I didn't fall into a lot of traps necessarily. I really kind of kept to myself, and I navigated myself pretty well.、Um, But I still put up with a lot that I didn't need to put up with, you know. Yeah, when you describe it, it's like you're saying traps and navigate. I mean, was it just sort of the accepted thing that this is sort of a maze? Yeah. That I have to get through. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it was just like, you know, there's there's predators everywhere, and you basically just have to keep your wits about you, and it it's just not fair because men don't have to worry about that, you know, not as at the level that that. Young women have to worry about it, so it just—you don't get to just focus on your career and try to get ahead by being good at it. You have all these other 
layers of stuff to work through where you're like, okay, you gotta be nice, but you can't be too nice. You gotta, you gotta be nice, but you can't be flirtatious. You gotta be, gotta make everybody happy, but not be taken away. You know, it's like there's so many layers of- It's exhausting. It's exhausting, and it's, it's, it's not fair, you know, at the end of the day. I would think that quitting would be an option if you felt that way. Yeah, I mean, it, it is, like you said, absolutely exhausting. And, you know, to be, there, another sad thing, I look back and there were definitely times when I was like, oh, why can't you just be more flirtatious? You know, why can't you just be, why can't you just loosen up? Because there were to, there were meetings that I just, I had where I lost jobs because I felt like that expectation was there, like where you're supposed to flirt with me to get this job. And I would just like, seize up and I wouldn't be able to be myself or be charming or, you know, I wouldn't be able to be anything. Because you felt threatened it or was something, like, right? I or... could tell that that was what they were looking for. And then I would just get the call from my agent and be like, they thought you were just cold. And, you know, <laughs> I'd just be like... And you want to go, but I thought they were I creepy. I know, exactly. <laughs> and, that, and I remember, like, having the thought that was just like, oh, God, just, you know, loosen up. And it's so, it, it's so backwards. And that's what's... That's the scales that are tipping now. Yeah. Well, this character in the film, um, she has this really hard exterior, and it's like an armor that yeah. she wears. Yeah. Like, could you relate to that idea that that, that hard exterior is, is a way to protect? Absolutely, yeah. Um, I mean, I certainly have, have always been a very different personality from... Nina, like Nina, her exterior, like you said, is very edgy and hard and tough and like seemingly confident, you know, whereas I was always just very sort of like sweet and my defense would just be to get quiet and sort of tight and, you know, like that was sort of where I would go. So a, a sort of a different version of that, but still the same thing, like your like walls are up and everything is just sort of like one word answers. You're not getting in here. I'm not, I'm right. not showing you this. I'm not going to give you, me, you know, because that's a scary thing to do. I was curious if you found yourself becoming funnier as you played a comedian. A little bit. I mean, I think I'm always sort of inspired by the people that I'm around, you know, so you tend to kind of fall into that. And it was so much fun working with Eva. And we also had this great comedian, Jamie Loftus, who was like our consultant on the film. So she was there a lot and we would improv together and we'd go through the stand-up routines and it was really so much fun to be in that world with them and to be in that world with women because usually anytime I've done comedy it's been with dudes so that was a really refreshing liberating way to to be funny you know well I'll tell you there's one scene that um, before we stop talking about this film because I could talk about it forever there's one scene that I nearly threw up watching yeah I know, it's pretty gross. And I don't think it spoils the film to say that, that your character has nerves, but they're not, usually in a film you see someone throwing up right before they go on stage. Yeah. Your character throws up after. after. Which yeah. actually I, I liked because I felt like your character was so holding it together on stage right. that, that throwing up after was, was her way of, the of like... The yeah. release, yeah. exactly. But I did wonder if you know, throughout your career, how, you know, what your own physical manifestations of, of nervousness are? Well, I don't want to get into that. I <laughs> totally I get a nervous, nervous stomach. Oh, you do? Oh, for sure. Oh, my God. Yeah, definitely, definitely nervous stomach. Before, I used to, all the time before auditions and stuff, I would just get really nauseous, like, before every audition. Really? 
all the time. And um, my friend, like, we'd have jokes. would be like, oh, any, like, casting office bathroom is like, <laughs> don't want to go in there. So many nervous like, people <laughs> just like, oh, oh, God, like, just getting so freaked out. So, oh, yeah. God. <laughs> the casting bathroom, I never yeah. thought of that. The nervous The amount stomach. of nerves in a casting office, like... You know, an open call when there's like 20 people in the waiting room. Oh, come on. That, that bathroom is it's just got no chance. It's just yeah. got no chance. <laughs> <laughs> well, that really struck me as being very true to the pressure that people go through in, the, in any kind of performing arts. Yeah. You know, you have a scene where you break down so completely and you're wailing, crying. And, and look, everyone gets to a that place probably in a different way, but it's not often on film that that you see someone have that big of a breakdown. And I was curious what you had to personally do to get to that. And if if that's like, you know, circled on your script is the, the big day and right. you know what I mean? Like how, right. what did you have to kind of go through in preparation for yeah. that? I don't know, I mean, I think that a scene like that where you get to just release everything and and fall into it and just cry is sort of, I mean, it's it's a little bit scary because, you know, there's an expectation kind of similar to the expectation of be funny. So there's a little um, nervousness in, in knowing that you have to go that far. But at the same time, it's not nearly as, like, hard is a weird word, but but as challenging as, like, a scene where you're supposed to be holding that in, you know? Like, you actually get to let it out. It's right. sort of, it's actually like, it feels good because, especially in a movie like this, you're doing so many scenes where it's like down here. So, yeah. So when you're allowed down to just. Down here in like, the casting bathroom. Yeah, in the casting exactly, exactly. Right Sorry. way down there. Um, so I many, love a good you know, bathroom joke. <laughs> Well, my, that's why my kids love me. I know. I'm always I mean, ready to talk it. about number two. You know? Number three, you know? <laughs> number three. Number three's bad. Number three is not, not good. Um, Wait, so, but, but are, those, are those your tears or are they the character's tears at that point? I mean, do you sort of have to dig into something painful in your own world? Yeah, I think it's always, for me, it's always a blend it is. Of the two somewhere, because I'm, th- I'm always thinking about what the character's going through, which relate, it takes me to something I've been through or that I am going through, and then back to the character again. So it's always a little bit of, of both. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was cathartic for, you know, that feeling and that having, being, living in that character and all that she feels and all that I feel, it was cathartic to get to just cry in that moment. Now, as an actor, you... You probably want that at the end of production yeah. rather than first week. Yeah, I think it's helpful. I think it's helpful, you know, to build to those kinds of emotional moments if you can. You don't always get that. I mean, the scene where um, there's a scene in the movie where Common comes and apologizes to me after I have the big breakdown, and, and that was also very emotional. And that was his first scene. It was like oh, we'd really? only met each other like once before um, shooting that scene, and that was pretty early on. So. So I think, um, and sometimes in the, I guess if you're having to do that scene early on, at least in my experience, sometimes I'm having to use a little bit more of my own stuff because the character's not quite as in me as it is kind of at the end. Right. So it's always a little blend. Yeah. What did you not want the film to be? I think I didn't want it, I didn't want anything about it to ring false. And so I think that's why I was so concerned about the stand-up part of it because I knew that I'm not really a stand-up and I, I was really worried that if that rang false, then it would reflect a 
falseness to everything that came after, and and that was really important for me to for it to feel authentic and for this story to feel authentic in this character, because because we are trying to say something that ultimately hopefully matters, you know. Yeah. And it would have been so sad to me if if it turned out like had a stain of inauthentic inauthenticity to it. That would have broken my heart. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't really think of that till you said that. But if if she's not a good comedian, mm-hmm. then maybe we don't care as much about her pain. Yeah. Well, if you don't believe that that's real, if you don't believe that part of the story, how are you going to believe the rest of it in, in, you, know, in, in you? How are you going to connect with it as, as the audience you know, and connect with the whole journey that she's on? That All of that is intimidating and yeah. scary. Yeah. yeah. Uh, did it make you at all curious about whether you could actually go up and and do it or do you have any desire no no no. oh my god it was like i wanted to celebrate when we were done filming the stand really you didn't ever get a rush out of like when your material was landing i did yeah i I, I absolutely i did i ended up in the end having so much fun doing it and and getting in the groove and and being able to play you know and all those things so I ended up really loving it, but not loving it enough to, to go out on my own and do it. I mean, I have such admiration for, for stand-up comedians and what they do and what a skill it is. And I think to get good at it, I'd have to, like, quit acting and <laughs> go devote myself to it and spend years and years trying to figure out how right. to really do it. I think I figured out how to do it for this movie, and I had fun with it, and I know that that that's that. You know, that's just, it's such a hard thing to do and such a skill that I have so much respect for that I, I couldn't, I just couldn't even like dip my toe into it, I don't think. Well, I bought it. I thought, Thank you, you. I thought you were incredible. Hey folks, let's take a little break from the conversation so I can tell you about this week's sponsor, BetterHelp Online Counseling. If you think you may be depressed or if you're feeling anxious, stressed, or overwhelmed, BetterHelp offers licensed professional counselors who are trained to listen and to help. Now, with BetterHelp, you can talk with your counselor in a private online environment at your own convenience from wherever you're comfortable. BetterHelp counselors have expertise in a broad range of areas, such as, you know, anxiety, depression, grief. They deal with relationships, sleep disorders, LGBT matters, self-esteem, family conflict, and more. They can give you access to help that may not be available in your area. So what you do is you fill out a questionnaire and it helps assess your specific needs and you get matched with your counselor in under 48 hours. And then you can easily schedule secure video or phone sessions with your therapist. Plus, you can exchange unlimited messages. Everything you share is confidential. And if for any reason you're unhappy with your counselor, you can request a new one at any time at no additional charge. So join the million plus people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced BetterHelp counselor. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp, they are currently recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. BetterHelp is an affordable option for therapy, and our listeners get 10% off the first month with the discount code CAMERA. You can get started today at betterhelp.com slash camera. That's betterhelp.com slash camera. Now back to the show. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about your upbringing, but I have an amazing coincidence to report, mm. which is we talked earlier about how um, we both live or lived very close to each other mm-hmm. in L.A. Yes. 
But I happen to live 10 miles from you in Utah when I was in college and you were like six years old. <laughs> what? Yes. No way. What, are yes. you from there? Are you just no, living there? I was in a band and my friend was going to BYU. Mm -hmm. And so I would go up in the summers and we would write music and play in Salt Lake and Provo. And we would skateboard in Orem because there, oh there was a half pipe in Orem. Yeah. It blows me away that you, you lived in Utah and you ended up becoming who you are. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Knowing Utah as well as I do. I know. Were you, uh, did yeah. you come from a Mormon family? No, we actually moved, we moved there around that time from, okay. from North Carolina. And we were like the only non-Mormon family in the neighborhood or surrounding neighborhoods. Yeah, I was like the only non-Mormon. Yeah, yeah. We guy were, I knew. We were the odd people out for yeah. sure. Uh, so it was a, a beautiful place. There was lots of great things about growing up there, um, but also strange. You know, yeah. it's, it's it's a strange thing to be so on the outside of everything that's going on. You know? Well, you became a ballerina, right? Yeah and, yeah. and you were pretty serious about it. Yeah. How did you discover that? I was always performing ever since we moved there, really. I was, I was in a play or I was in a school performance or something. Um, and I think that was also my saving grace because I didn't really have many friends because of not being Mormon. It was a little bit difficult. Right. Um, but yeah, but I, I mean, I started really young. My first professional job was there when I was 12 because there were TV shows that were shooting there at the time. And I think it was what one of those. What job was it? It was Touched by an Angel. Okay. Yeah. And they shot in Utah. They shot in Utah. They shot another show called Promised Land there, which I was also on. I just sort of found, I guess, whatever opportunities were available to me. And then once I felt like I'd done everything, then my mom and I headed on out to Los Angeles. Were you, were you a serious kid? Yeah. I was always a real overachiever or, you know, you were, yeah, I always wanted to do the best and was, was definitely raised that way too, you know? Um, so I was always kind of trying to be the best at whatever it was that I was doing. And so when I was really into ballet, I wanted to be the best at ballet. And then, so was there a time when you were like, I am going to, I don't know, you'll be in, in the, what is the company in New York that you would? Um, for, for ballet? Yeah. Um, well, I did, I went and the studied, with, I went and studied with the Joffrey Ballet okay. when I was 12. Oh, so you were like, yeah, I was really good. into it. I really wanted to be a ballerina, but I about, so I studied with them when I was 12 and then I went back again the next year and I could tell, like I had gotten much taller and I was starting to get a bit curvier and I just kind of knew it was like, they looked at me like disappointed <laughs> in the way that I was shaping up, so to speak. You, you had early experiences with people being yeah. like... Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. And I mean, in the ballet world, you're literally being, they come and measure you and they look at your shapes of your legs and they take notes and at least, I don't know if things have changed, but that's when I was growing up. Like, so no. Yeah, they're like, you're ankles are weird. <laughs> nope. You know, I mean, it's so specific. And I was lucky that I wasn't um, too stung by it. Like if I wasn't um, picked or somebody didn't like the look of me or something, I would just go, all oh, right, you know. But what was thing. it like to quit ballet when it was your whole life? Well, luckily I was also acting. Oh, you I, were? I was okay. sort of doing it simultaneously and acting. I was starting to act more and more kind of around that time. And so I, I was kind of like, all right, if this isn't going to work out for me, if, then I'll just act. Because what I loved about ballet was playing characters. Like, I just want to tell a story and perform, and I can do it this way or that way. And, and if this way's 
better and less hard on my body right now. I'll just, I'll go this way. Okay. So were your parents supportive of a total performing arts life or did they have any pause about you wanted to be a working actress? Did they worry about that or? They did a little bit. Like I remember when I first started saying I wanted an agent, they were a little bit like weirded out by that. And it's how old were you then? It's like ten. I'd heard about it. I didn't need any agency in Utah. Yeah, there were surprisingly there were a couple agencies in Salt Lake City. Yeah. So about when I was about twelve. I sort of wore them down and they, they took me in and I got an agent and I got headshots and I did the whole thing. And were you homeschooled? I was homeschooled, yeah. You were. Yeah. Did you ever worry about that, that you would regret not having sort of a normal childhood or, or were you just no plan B, one track mind? I think I was always a little bit, I mean, I, I it was a bit of both. There was a part of me that really like longed for a normal life and to to be have more friends and to to be a part of all that but then there was also a part of me that really just didn't fit in with that anyway and um would get kind of freaked out around other people my age and just I really? didn't really yeah anytime we were in like a party situation or something I just didn't quite fit so in on the one hand I sort of longed for it and on the other hand I was kind of relieved to not have to navigate all of that Right. Maybe you just wanted to get out of Utah. Yeah, you definitely. It wasn't, it wasn't a bad perk of the situation. So what was sort of the bi- the first um, working experience that was not just a, a one-off, but a, but like a, a real chunk of work? So when I first went to L.A., I was 14, and my mom and I went out, and we, I got an agent, and I ended up getting a job very quickly on a soap opera Okay. called Passions, which was a crazy crazy soap opera. Um, You're only 14. Why yeah. is a show called Passion? I know, I know. Luckily, I wasn't involved in any of the passion at <laughs> 14 that was happening on the show. Um, but I was on it for about a year, and then I, I left to, you know, go do other things. I didn't particularly enjoy the experience. Yeah, that would be weird, because thinking about anybody, who, their first experience is going to sort of set the tone for what you think the business is like. Yeah, and yeah. it's not like you waltzed into Ang Lee's first film or something right, like that. Yeah. I would imagine getting on a soap opera, you show up and there's a bunch of jaded actors. Like, what did that do for your enthusiasm? Yeah, I mean, luckily I had worked a little bit before that, even if it was just in Utah and on little parts and things, but I'd had such an amazing experience on everything I had done leading up to this that I kind of knew this wasn't what everything was like because it wasn't so much... This soap opera was a new one and it was sort of aimed at young people, so there's a lot of young people in the cast. It was mainly just... um, There was like a real militant vibe about the whole thing, you know, that just wasn't friendly and it wasn't encouraging or warm. Um, And they had all these rules about parents, like my mom wasn't allowed on set, like she had to be, by law, she had to be on the premises, but they wouldn't let her on set. So where would they put her? She had to stay in my dressing room all day long. And then like, there were times where she would kind of try and quietly be there and, and they would be like, we'll just pretend we didn't see you around here. Okay, that's terrible. Yeah, yeah, like really terrible. Um, so I just was like miserable. I was just really unhappy because of that and also because even at 14, I just was like, this is bad. <laughs> you knew enough. I was just like, this is not. I wanted the Angley experience. Yeah. That's what I longed for. And 
I just was like, this isn't. So I had to do a whole, it was a whole drama. I broke, got out of my contract. I, oh, you did? Yeah, the whole thing. Um, and quit the show and because it just was so not, it was so not what I thought I was getting into when I went out to LA to try to be an actor, you know. When you were that age, was there a particular actress that you looked at and said, I want that career? When I was that age, I was really into like Claire Danes and Natalie Portman and like Jennifer Connelly and people that I thought seemed like really smart, young actresses, you know? Yeah. Like I loved the idea, I, I didn't do it myself, but I loved the idea of like being an actress and going to Harvard, you know? That was like, that was like my dream, you know? I'm gonna be but one of those But you couldn't even go to high school. Then. No, I didn't, know. I know exactly. <laughs> But that was, like, when I first started acting when I was that age, that was my plan. You know, I'm going to go to Yale or Harvard or Columbia or something and, and then come back to these artsy school projects. You know, and it just didn't really happen that way for me. I had to um, hit the pavement a little bit more. And I, I never, at that age, when I was got to college years, I didn't feel like if I went away to college that I'd still have a career to come back to, you know. So it didn't, didn't right. go that way for me. Well, reading about you and sort of, tuning into how many sort of horror thriller things you did at the beginning of your career. And also even many years after that, there's this amazing theme that shows up if you read all of your press, which is the film got decent reviews, but Mary Elizabeth Winstead's performance is a standout. Or <laughs> the film didn't do well at the box office, but you should check out this new up-and-comer. And it made me wonder what your take on your own trajectory was or what the agents' meetings were like, or if you at one point just started to believe that the way people saw you was the way you were supposed to be. Right. I mean, it's it's interesting. It's so funny that that's been such a recurring thing where people would say the film didn't quite work or didn't quite make money or, you know, so... So you noticed that too? I noticed that too, of course. And so that it became a conversation where they're like, we just got to find a movie that hits for you. We're just going to find it. And I understood that. But at the end of the day, I was just like, I can only choose my movies based on what I like and what I think is interesting and so and what you're offered and what I'm offered it was sort of like the combination of those two things you right know? and in the midst of what I was offered I would prefer to take the like great role in a sort of weird <laughs> horror movie or something rather than play like I don't know somebody's girlfriend or something in like this great vanity piece that some actor was starring in or something right. so I kind of skirted those things which which on paper would have looked better for me in some ways, um, but just were not interesting to me. And right, the film's more quote-unquote prestigious or yes, whatever, but the role the role is, was nothing. Yeah. And I don't know, I've just always, there's something about kind of leading women roles in a lot of horror films that I just still, I gravitate to, because they're just, they can be really badass and, and yeah. active and fun to play, and I just would rather do that than like, be the wife on the phone going like, well, what amazing thing are you doing now, honey? Okay, call me later, you know? <laughs> I'll see you in like 62 minutes Yeah, yeah, my exactly. Next scene. I'm due for another scene at some point. Okay, great, bye. But at the same time, I would think that after a while, you would notice a trend in casting and, and you'd realize that you're in a lane. And it, I, would, I would think that that, right. would, that would sort of, you know, perpetuate itself. And I guess I was curious because I saw Smashed but when I started reading about Smash, which in which you play a woman with severe substance abuse mm -hmm. who actually works at like a preschool, yeah. which is terrifying, yeah. and is trying to sort of clean up her life. But I guess what I'm asking about is when you did Smashed, was that um, a sort of a conscious attempt to change your, 
your trajectory? Yeah, I mean, it was something I had to do for myself. It was actually the first thing I did after that point that I was talking about earlier, where I was ready where to you be almost quit. done. Yeah. See, that surprised me because you were in some really high-profile films before that. I was, that. I was, but um, you know, I wasn't respected. I didn't feel respected in the way that I, I wanted to be, and in large part, it was because either the marketing or the roles or whatever it was, there was something about my looks being the most important thing, you know, um, being out in the forefront in terms of getting the role, of being cast in it. You've got to please this person and this person. They need to see you in this kind of outfit, you know. It was still, I, I tried my best to fight against that and to play roles that, that wouldn't require that of me, but at a certain point, at the end of the day, it would always come back to that. It would always feel like something would bring it back to that. It didn't feel like the craft. Yeah, yeah. Um, was there a circumstance that you can point to where it was like, oh, that was the low and that's where I almost quit? There was a movie that I did where it was sort of like piled on, you know, like I got put on a diet. I had sort of passive-aggressive behavior coming from people that, you know, had sort of made advances at me. I was like, I, I just felt piled on as like, be in your place. You know what I mean? Like I felt like so not valued for, for what I could do and what I could bring as an actor, which was all I'd ever tried to do, you know? Yeah. And like starting out so young, um, sorry, I'm going to try, I'm going to try and <laughs> rein in the emotion. Um, Starting out so young, I started as a kid, so all I ever wanted to do was act and perform and play characters. It never entered my brain when I started acting that I was going to have to be like a woman who was going to have to um, appeal to men in this way because I was a 12-year-old kid. Like I wanted to just tell stories and, and become other people, and I loved the feeling of that. So when I got into my 20s and it became like, oh, no, you're expected to be attractive and you're expected to make everybody want to sleep with you, that was like so jarring for me because that's not that that was never part of my experience as an actor. So, <laughs> so that was what was like so frustrating. Can I tell you that makes me so sad to hear? <laughs> it's like when you think about what a kid thinks the world is versus what the world turns out to be. Right. Yeah. It's it's horrible. And and I just I'm sorry that happened to you. <laughs> Thank and you. It sucks. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it sucks. But that's what's you know shifting now, and it's it's really really exciting to to see. Like you can feel it. You can really feel. It's like there's people who are really getting it. You know, like men who just kind of get it, and then there's men who are like ah, so scared and so uncomfortable, and um, you just know it's it's breaking like yeah. that fear is in there because it's 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 breaking you know well I, i'll tell you the work you did on smashed and the you know what you've done on fargo and alex of venice are are they're completely they're deep dives into into human beings that are completely complex and you have a way of pulling the audience right in with you and it's so good and, and I think it's a shame that you have to almost quit your job to, you know, to get to that point. And then, and then maybe one of these films is a lifeline or, or maybe, maybe it's that, maybe it was that 
almost quitting that, that made you finally reject yeah. the situations that were bad. Yeah. But I, I have to ask, what, what were you going to do? I, I had no idea. I was just kind of depressed. Like, I can't handle the stress of, of all of this. I can't handle the stress of what it takes to be an actress, you know? Um, so I was like, I just need to pick, like, a low-stress <laughs> job. We find you at, like, the Hertz <laughs> rental counter going... <laughs> Do you want a navigation unit with that? Yeah. I was having these <laughs> fantasies of like, I work at a coffee shop. I could like maybe a bakery. I could, I could foam up the um, drink a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that was really, those were like my, <laughs> those were my big fantasies. Isn't it funny though how, how sometimes like the alternative, like just to get away from the stress, it seems like such a relief. And I think that's something that's never talked about in this business is the amount of stress that people are under that are trying to, have this career as artists. Absolutely, yeah. And I mean, I think I, I've went, you go through a lot of it kind of just repressing all that stress. For me, I was just like, everything's great, everything's fine, everything's fine, nothing bothers me. And then one day it just kind of like hits you in the face, you know, where you have to acknowledge it. Who'd you talk to when you were? I found a lot of solace over the years and slowly opening up to my girlfriends. Um, yeah. Most of my girlfriends are also actresses and and over the years, we've all kind of been slowly being like, wait, I feel this. Do you feel this too? And Is that a change that's occurred also that maybe there's less competition and more sharing? Yeah, I think so. In terms of sharing, I think, I think we maybe did feel like we needed to respect all the people that we worked for in a way that we wouldn't necessarily share, oh, this guy that I worked with treated me this way or or I feel this way when I'm at work because because there's a, st- a stigma around complaining about Why is that? work. I guess because it's so hard to do what we do and it's a dream for so many people. That it sounds like like you don't You feel like you don't have or... the right to complain about anything. And so even amongst each other, and I think we were afraid too, you know, because I might have gotten a part that she might have wanted or vice versa. So if I complain about the experience of that, is she going to go like, oh my God, like, fuck her. She's complaining yeah. about what I wish I, you know. So there's, there were some of those layers that have had to be kind of stripped away where it's just like, no, we're all in the same boat. We're all feeling the same things. And we need to talk to each other about it, you know. And that's, I think, more and more is happening. And also with our male counterparts were talking about it more, um, which is huge and was certainly never, ever happening before. You're sort of describing solitude in a lot of ways. Like you had to sort of figure out and resolve on your own, right? Yeah, I, I did. I didn't think there was anybody else who would understand. And again, that I think the biggest thing is probably that, oh God, people would just think I'm complaining and I'm, I should be grateful just to be here. I should be grateful just to be let in the door, you know, and that's really, I think, for people in our industry, and particularly actresses, that's just always been the sort of message, even if it's not set outright, that's the message when you break into this industry. It's just like, well, if you don't want to do it, somebody else is going to, and you're going to miss out on the opportunity, so. Well, and some of that is built into the entire process of auditioning, where you do, you show up and you see a big line for the bathroom, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, <Yeah. laughs> yes. and everybody looks like, you know, they could be interchangeable for this part yeah, or whatever, yeah. and and yeah, it's like the lottery when you get a call back. Yeah. So yeah. then... So you think, oh my God, like whatever happens, you better suck it up. Like right. you just, you just, whatever happens, you roll with it, you know, because that's, yeah. that's what you feel you're expected to do. 
as an actor, do you have to do you have to sort of divorce the your own experience on it, like the work you do on the character and all that, from the end result? Like, yeah, I know it's hard. I think that's something I struggle with. Is like if you have a bad experience on something, not letting it sully the work at the end of the day. Like still being able to be proud of like you know. And not have when somebody brings up, oh, I love that movie or something, to not be like, ugh, you know. There's some there's some things where it's taken me a few years to be like, yeah, I love that movie too, and and forget about the whatever it was, the the negativity that might have happened, you know, surrounding yeah. the day. It's complicated. I, you know, I wonder about how your self-critic fits in with all of that in terms of judging yourself and your own performances, and if that has changed as well as you've sort of found projects that are that allow you to do your best work, like on Fargo or like on this film, All About Nina. Do you find yourself more self-critical as you get older or less? I mean, I guess... I, I, I feel like in the moment, I'm not that self-critical, which is probably a blessing on on my part, I know that I, I'm not too in my head about it in terms of when I'm performing or when I'm watching myself perform. Do you think you can sort of be that character? And, yeah, and I really don't feel like I'm watching myself necessarily. So like you're not I, running back to the monitor to go, how does, no. how does that thought translate to my facial Never, I never care to watch myself back and go like, oh, maybe I should change something. Or if, if I do it and the director likes it, great, moving on. Like I just don't. Um, not particularly aware of what I'm doing in that way. And I guess I'm able to to somehow separate myself because if I watch there's times when I can I've watched myself on screen and I go like, "Oh, I look terrible there." But it, but it doesn't bother me. Like it, I'm not affected by it. Well, you know, you think about an athlete and how they have to like if they have a really bad day. Yeah. You can't sit there and beat yourself up about that yeah. because you'll be bad the next day. No, exactly. It doesn't do any good. Are, are you that way? Are you able when you get home at night to just sort of let it go? Usually. Um, I like doing projects that exhaust you at the end of the day. You do? Yeah. I much prefer that because then you don't even, you just don't even have the energy to overthink things or overanalyze things. You just go home and sleep and then you get up and, <laughs> and do it all over, the, all over again. I like that feeling. I, I, um, I don't like to be, have so much time on my hands where I'm overthinking what I'm doing or overthinking of whether or not other people are liking what I'm doing, which when you're on the projects where you're sitting around a lot, that inevitably just happens. Right. And so I'd rather do like something like Nina where it's a little film where you do it in 21 days and you just exhaust yourself and you give all of yourself and then you go home and sleep for a few days afterwards. Well, I've, I'm just, I love your work and, and this new film is, is astonishingly good and I hope everyone sees it and, and it's been really nice getting to know you. It's been so nice. Thank you so much. Thanks for doing this. Thank you. Hey folks, that's our show. I loved talking to Mary, and having her on the show gave me the opportunity to go back and look at a lot of her work. If you haven't seen some of her earlier films, I would definitely recommend 10 Cloverfield Lane, Smashed, Alex of Venice, the third season of the television show Fargo, 
and especially all about Nina, which is a tour de force of acting and stand-up comedy. You have to see it to believe how real and emotional this film is. So check all that out. Also, check us out. We're at offcamera.com, and if you haven't visited the website, well, I think you're in for a treat. You're listening to the podcast now, but Off Camera is also a TV show. For only $4.99 a month, you can watch every episode of Off Camera on any device you like, as many times as you want. And it's a great way to go through the archive and really spend time with the iconic artists we've had on the show. So check that out. And if you're loving the podcast and you haven't subscribed yet, take a minute and go to iTunes. By subscribing to the podcast rather than just listening to us, you can ensure that more people find out about the show. And if you can take the time to leave us a review or a five-star rating, that's another way that you can help people find out about Off Camera. So if you're looking for a rabbit hole to go down, offcamera.com is the perfect place to start. You can also spend time with us on social media. We are Off Camera Show at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And I am Sam Jones on Twitter and Sam Jones Pictures on Instagram. And I always love to hear from listeners. So send me an email or better yet, go on social media, tell the world about us, suggest a guest, you know, that kind of thing. Whatever you like to do on social media. I want to thank everyone that helps us out on this show each week. There's our producer, Crawford Chippy, our esteemed editor, Nathan Shields, our graphic whiz, Michaela Galvin, our transcriptionist, Kara Johnson, our studio manager, Sasha Snow, and our lion tamer, Matt Davidson. These people are all essential to making this show, with the exception of Matt Davidson. And without their hard work, we couldn't do this every week. So thank you to each and every one of those individuals, except Matt Davidson. See you next time, off camera.